HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. So you don't charm the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How's it going? Very well, sir. How was your uh, 4th of July? Just fantastic. It was my only day off in the past two weeks, so, you know, I spent it... Resting, you know, reflecting, being meditative, and I, yeah. I feel I, I feel it's a touching story, but it also sounds like a lie. It's total bullshit. I went to I went to the <laughs> annual pirate party in Bushwick, which was nuts. The annual pirate party. Annual pirate party. So Talk there are two. I, I I think they're like old warehouses or something that have been turned into apartments. And every year on the Fourth of July, all the residents go up to the roof and they have a water balloon fight across the street at one another. So you've got these like two buildings across from one another. Yes, two oh. buildings across. Uh, I think it's uh, Elder Street. So now you're like the two ships, the two pirate ships. Exactly, and there's pirate flags and pe- people, not me, other people, uh, larp it and do get some real piratey regalia shit going on there. But you've got these like. They look like medieval siege weapons, but they're just kind of launching water balloons <laughs> across the street <laughs> at each other. It's a lot of fun. I went with uh, my girlfriend. We got up to the roof, and immediately, it's one of those things where, like, we went out the door and just boom, she got hit by a water balloon, like, right in this. It was like. I mean, you dress for that, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. But it's like that scene in Gladiator where they go out, and immediately the guy just gets, like, destroyed by, like, a, yeah. <laughs> like a, I don't know, a catapult There's or always something. That front line pawn that gets taken out right exactly. away. Exactly. That's why I made her go out first. That's <laughs> gentlemanly. <laughs> Ladies first. After you, dear. Yeah. I uh, I did nothing. I decided last minute to close Amore Margo for the day, and uh, I went to Basic and hung out with some friends on the back patio and had a little bit of stuff off the grill, and then I went to a movie, and then I was in bed by 11. I didn't see a single firework. Perfect, man. But I needed that. Day. You heard him, though. I bet you heard him. I heard, I, yeah. Well, we were in the movie at the time. We could hear him in the background of the movie. <laughs> it was fine. I didn't care. I, you know, I'm, I'm beyond the fireworks, I think. I, need, I needed a day off more than I needed a day on, if you know what I mean. True, yeah. Um, well, listen, today uh, it's a beautiful summer day in uh, Bushwick, Brooklyn, and we've got a, a special guest in the room with us, Allegra Vera Warsager. I didn't even know you had a third name. I thought it was Allegra Vera. 
I do. It's very controversial. Is, oh, well, <laughs> well, well, we'll circle back to the controversy later. Um, and you are a working New York City bartender. Uh, you work at uh, a spot near my old apartment. I lived less than a block away from Mr. Purple on Orchard Street. Did you really? Yeah, I lived on Orchard and Stanton for the last five years. I just moved in November. It much, must be much quieter for you now in your new neighborhood. <laughs> it so is, and I bars. talk about it all the time, how much I hate it. I miss my <laughs> loud neighborhood. I miss being on a crowded, loud street. I'm now on a quiet, tree-lined Greenpoint Street, and I, ugh, I can't sleep. This is the same guy who moves into like a, an average-sized bar, and he's like, it's too big. I need to make it smaller. I need to put another bar in here. And yes, like, yeah. that's my jam. They're <laughs> actually opening another bar on Orchard Street, so Local 138 from Ludlow closed um, yep. i think they're buying out the buildings because mikey's closed too oh, no. and they're moving to locals moving to orchard street so that'll be like seven bars on one street holy moly wow uh so. you know high tide raises all boats in that situation though um and yeah, mr purple is known for being like high volume loud and body you got a pool up there yes the hotel pool is mostly for guests but you can do a pool pass but you never really see anyone in it it's kind of like a baby pool like you can't even really do laps but it definitely does bring us some some extra people in the summer um yeah it's high volume specialty cocktails the drinks are great but right now the most popular drink is a mojito so all of us bartenders are joking that we have mojito elbow kind of like arthritis situation <laughs> that happens from shaking so much which the most, most popular I'm sure drink is the mojito with. sure of course yeah but i mean is that because it's has is a mojito come in some kind of renaissance i haven't I don't know. I think it's... As yeah. popularity goes, I don't feel like it's been one that's been on my list for a while. It's one of those... I think it's just one step above America's favorite cocktail, the margarita, which right. I think I think is the perfect summer drink, but I think it has a little bit of that kind of basic stink on it. Mm. So if you want to if you wanna have like something that's light and refreshing that you don't really have to use the front part of your brain on, but you don't want to drink what everyone else is drinking. I feel like mojito is kind of the go-to for that. Yeah, and I've actually had people ask me to sub different liquors for it recently, like Tito's mojito, mezcal mojito. I didn't know that was a thing, but it is a great drink if well-made. Sure. I'll drink, you know, if you're by a pool, but I'll have people ask me for it in the winter. French people, young people, everyone. It's It might be making a comeback, officially. Are, are you up there year-round? I am. I'm. I just always kind of assumed it was a seasonal place. Yeah, a lot of people are surprised to know we're actually open every day of the year. So in the oh. in the winter, I work inside. I guess it makes sense. A hotel. Yeah, yeah. It's a hotel. So we have to be open even the holidays. Everything. Um, I'm there just on the weekends in the winter, and then I usually look for another gig or whatever I can do. You know, because but the money is pretty good, so <laughs> it's able. You know, it it can get you by for sure. One of those um, great gigs well, where, like, three three months in the summer it can pay rent for an entire year. Right? Oh, yeah, that's what we say. In the sum- like, in the <laughs> summer, it's ridiculous. Like, we're, by April, in April, we're all, like, hungry. We're like, yeah, let's get this money. We can smell it. And then by July, everyone's so tired that they're like, who can cover me? Who can cover me? <laughs> and, you know, because you got to have a life, too. You can't. It takes a lot out of you. I mean, it's like... Physically, you know, mentally. Funny that we were just talking about you know, a pirate party. I feel like if that's what it is, you're pirates. You're out there just, like, scrambling for that those gold coins and then yeah really and then basically and then it's off to a remote island for a while and just hide for, <laughs> but let's we're getting ahead yeah. of ourselves let's yes. back up some um let's talk uh, first about like you what what got you into this business in the first place and and where do you hope to see it take you we'll, we'll get to that in the second half but like right right now like where are you from what got you where you're at right now i'm born and raised in manhattan i have lived in brooklyn for the last five years um i went to suny purchase for my undergrad in English lit and I loved it so much that even though I should have applied perhaps for a creative writing master's degree I decided to keep it keep with literature um, because I wanted to work in publishing while I figured out my writer voice and after I got my master's by age 25 from Brooklyn College and I decided to go get her yeah to start hostessing you know just to pay some extra bills kind of got into I loved the like restaurant culture, like the meeting people from everywhere and just becoming like family meal, all these things. I just fell head over heels for like the glamour of it, the flexibility, the the fast cash. And I got trained by the people I worked for to just to learn to make drinks and eventually moved on to a new place and started bartending. And then I went through this cycle of trying to find jobs, not being able to like quote unquote 
real jobs, what they were called at the time, nine to five yeah. jobs. Yeah. And I didn't, I felt like there was something wrong with me that Shit I enjoyed. Shit pays my rent. It's fucking real. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, but I enjoyed like the night owl life. And so I just kept kind of going deeper and deeper into it. And years later, you know, I built up this resume in publishing and I didn't feel like not accomplished, but I also decided maybe I'm not meant to work in an office, you know, like it was like a light bulb kind of went off. It's like, maybe, maybe I can just do this and write and I don't ever have to like get dressed up and go to Midtown every day and sit in a cubicle. Like maybe there are other options. And as that was happening, the economy was changing. The world was changing. The cocktail world, you know, was making a come back so doors just kind of kept opening for me yeah what year are we talking about right there this is i want to say 2009 from to 2013 14 sure yeah all right that's a good window when the when the cocktail revolution was was really hitting the ground yeah i was like 25 to to about 27 28 Mm -hmm. it's kind of fun it's it's always amused me that that happened not by coincidence i think around the time that the and air quotes for our listeners real job economy started collapsing yeah right it's also with the gentrification of Brooklyn, um, you know, lots of people moving here from the Midwest that also realized perhaps they didn't want to have a traditional job Well, from all over the world, not just there. But I feel like my own path was is very parallel to the way things changed. So, yeah. I mean, that's the way there. that's just the way things move. Right. You, right. you become part of the, the, you know, the flow, tide. the flow of the tide. Sure. Exactly. Um, and also, I, you know, it seems like it's at least worth mentioning you were you were heading into the world of publishing. And I feel like at, at that same time, it's like we're getting further and further away from printed material. Right. We're right. just getting into, you know, Internet and, uh, you know, listicles, et cetera. Yeah. Right. 240 every, characters. Yeah, yeah. Every day it would yeah. be like I'd get, you know, I'd be reading the news or applying for jobs. And it was just like this magazine's closing this, you know. I mean, I had interviews with like New York Review of Books and stuff like I doors were opening for me and I kept at it, but I kind of got defeated at some points. And at that point, I'd basically say, like, fuck this. And I'd throw myself back into bartending and look for the next bar gig. And I'd be like, you know what? This is enough. Like, I'm I'm making movements. I'm moving forward. So maybe this is enough. And here we are. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of that's always been one of my favorite parts of this is how many not just creatives there are in this industry, but how many, you know, <laughs> I guess I'm, I guess this is just going to be the pirate show. How many pirate creatives there are, like people <laughs> who are, you know, smart, motivated, curious, like want to try and make something new every day, but also would never be, you know, the type of person that would like wake up and have a cup of herbal tea and just like write on a laptop in a backyard with some deer around, you know, like yeah. y- you crave that hustle. And I think that's why people keep coming back and eventually you find a way to wed those two things. Especially like growing up in Manhattan, which is like the hustle capital of the world. Like I, I, I just have it in me to just move fast to like to crave change and movement. But it, you know, I felt like there was something wrong with my path for a while until, you know, I saw like happening around me. So many people were going through the same thing and that's really, yeah, that contributed to the light bulb, the aha moment where I was like, you know, I don't, I should stop looking for full-time jobs because I don't think I'm, it's going to make me happy. And at this point, like the idea of switching to like getting up at six o'clock in the morning when I was going to bed at 6am was yeah, it's like, no, thanks. I don't want to go to bed at 6am anymore. And I don't, but still, I just knew that that was going to be a drastic lifestyle change that I wasn't necessarily prepared for. Well, let's, let's talk I'm, about that more. Cause I think that that's that, that fear that kind of, you know, like, okay, is this, the or not i guess fear is the wrong word this kind of drive to have that you know the middle class white picket fence 9 to 5 thing is something that i think plagues a lot of young people in this industry and drives out people Definitely i think does. otherwise would be very happy making a career here is certainly something that i struggled with in my 20s so you you say you kind of reached a point where you were like, no, fuck it. This is, I'm going to, I've planted my flag. I'm good at this. I want to do it. Like talk about getting to that revelation. Yeah, that was a big, that was a good moment for me. And then, you know, I'm an only child and very close with my parents and talking to them about, you know, like, cause they invested in me, you know, like they lent me money for grad school, all that. So I didn't want to let them down. That was a, that was a big thing for me. But then once I talked to them and explained that like, I was serious about this and it wasn't just like, me doing this to party, but I was like genuinely learning things, meeting new people. And I liked, I liked the, the, the gig. And then they, they accepted that. And then I was like, okay, now I feel at peace with this kind of. 
Well, I mean, yeah, you know, not, I, I don't always look at the bottom line, although <clears throat> I always look at the bottom line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to also argue with the fact that you were, uh, apparently, it seems, you made money. Yeah, you were exactly. paying your bills more money were, than I would have in. You were doing more than paying level. your bills. You yep, were paying exactly. your bills and putting some savings away, and and yep. and, and, and pursuing other, uh, you know, recreational activities and and even pursuing your intellectual activities based on the money that you were making in the, in oh a field, yeah, in a field that somehow people said to you wasn't real. And again, I gave myself financial freedom and the freedom to like, I can take the entire month of January off and just travel, because right. I have money and I work is slow, so I can take time off, get my shifts covered. I'm free. Yeah, and that was awesome. I was like, that opened the doors. And right. I, I like, defy any yeah. of any of the listeners who are an accountant to do that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> You're not going to be able to look at your boss and just be like, I'm taking the month off. Right. Like uh, teachers. I, I got my, I got my shifts covered. I'm taking the <laughs> yeah, month exactly. off. Yeah, exactly. They're like, what? No, <laughs> only, only you can do this job. That's so not yeah, how it works. yeah, there is a freedom in that financial freedom, creative freedom to pursue whatever, whatever interests you have on the side on your days off. You know, you don't, it's, if you're not a manager or a bar owner or anything, you can leave the stress of the shift behind you. Um, it took me years to get good at that, though, because I would come home and have like nightmares of like service tickets, printing right. and stuff. And then I learned to like compartmentalize and just leave it behind. And that also helped. But then I'm trying to write about it. So that's also something I'm thinking about the bartending industry constantly. It's always on my brain taking notes, thinking like what, you know, what's the new bar? What are people doing these days? And on my nights off, I like to go out and eat and drink. That's, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's everybody's favorite thing uh, to do. It, yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's also a little bit of, it's a little bit of subtle research for what your, what your next intent is. Exactly. Right? Well, what Greg said, you're kind of finding a way to wed the two, the two things, right? You've got your, exactly. your degree and you've got your, your current career in the bar and now you're putting those two things together and you're going to make a book. Yeah. So what a that great, per, what a great spot to stop and yeah. hear from our sponsors. We'll come right back with Allegra Vera and we'll continue talking about what she's got uh, going on uh, soon uh, with her writing. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. And we're back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. We're sitting in the studio today with uh, my good friend Greg Benson and our host today, Allegra Vera. We're talking about, uh, well, about bartending being a real job. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? I knew. <laughs> you definitely again, know. Yeah. Again, look at my bottom line. Um, <laughs> don't look at my bottom line right now. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, all my money's out right now. Hopefully it'll be coming back soon. You send your money out into the world and you hope it comes back with friends. If you love friends. something, send it <laughs> free. <laughs> you hope it comes back with friends. <laughs> um, so, Allegra, we're, we're up to kind of a current point in your life now. So right. you, you, you've, you've overcome the hurdle of, of you know, deciding that you, what you're doing now is a real job. Right. You've got your master's degree in literature. Right. And now you're considering writing a book. But you also wanted to... T- I, off air, we talked briefly. You also wanted to touch on like what it's like to be a woman in the positions that you've been in, and uh, and and bartending in general. And I'm always curious to hear about that. So if you want to, yeah, these days lay it I, on us. These days it's exciting. I think it's great. Like I when I like I say, I love to go out and eat and drink as we all do. And you know, when every time I go out, I see more and more females behind the bar, and I love it. Um, 
I started working in sports bars where it was all female staff, um, you know, and it's not, we all did have some experience, but either they'd train you or they'd hired people with experience, but it was more about like the looks, the vibe, like, like having attractive women to bring in customers and create a party. And it didn't really matter if you were actually physically good at the job or not, you know, <laughs> girls would get so drunk because the owners would say, drink, 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 throw a party that they would just like leave the bar like mid shift. And I'd just be like, okay, well, I guess I'm the only person here now. So that's how I became <laughs> fast because I would like be picking up some slack for others. Um, and then as they, yeah. as they slowly fell away throughout the evening. Right. And then I went <laughs> last one. Last, yeah. Yeah. And I like, they'd all be dancing on the bar. I'm like, well, someone has to make the drink. So I guess it'll be me. <laughs> That'll be my role. I don't want to slip and fall either. Um, and then I started working in more like nightlife um, downtown where, you know, there'd be a few girl bartenders, but it was mostly guys and um, people were really there for more of like the hookup scene and dancing and drinks. And they weren't there for the bartenders really. But I did notice that behind the bar there would be, you know, there'd be healthy competition, but I did feel like the female bartenders always had to kind of like work just a little bit harder to kind of prove like we were as fast and capable and like we'd all compare like what we rang and stuff. And like, I remember the first moment I like beat my male coworker in sales and it was like a very exciting moment for me. (laughs) Nice. It's the Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers thing. You're doing everything that we're doing, but you're doing it backwards and in heels. Yeah. Well, we (laughs) were, you know, we're, we're, we were all a team. We all shared money, but it was, it was a, it was a good moment for me just, you know, to think like, Oh, I, I'm really actually good at this. And then currently, you know, to working in places where I'm the only bartender and it's, you know, really more about personality and quality of the drinks you put out and engaging people and building up a following so that you can build your shift up. So I've kind of done it all in a way. But um, I think these days at my um, at Mr. Purple, we do have a good a good ratio of male to female bartenders, and everyone's excellent. And it's really like exciting to be part of like this prestigious bar team, you know, where we do so much volume, um, but we kill it. I mean, like, what what are we, what are we talking in volume? How many how many guests come through the door on a given? Week, weekend. Ooh, I wouldn't. I don't know. No, <laughs> a couple thousand. I would think it, de- it depends. Yeah, like our number. Some there's days when you know the line will just be out the door for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I used I to said, live on that block. I'd right, see it all the time. Like, you, but like I said, once we open the, the outside bar for the summer, that it becomes more steady and less of just like this rush because you know we're able to get more drinks out. Right. But yeah, but it's definitely like I said because it's it's not just shots beers vodka sodas like it, one every third drink there is shaken or stirred that's ordered so right you know you gotta you gotta do it that's amazing fast. i mean I, I i've been up there in the daytime i've never been up there at night uh, i lived one block away and i used to actually use the the hotel lobby as like kind of my meeting place or office oh, space the 14th or... floor is a lovely place to just work on your computer and anytime i you know go that way because i clock it clock in through the kitchen that's on that level I see all these people and I'm just like, there's the normal people. They must be, when, when they book a ho- room in this hotel, they have no idea yeah. what's upstairs one floor. And there's all these people like working. Oh, but then, it, but then it starts. Even in the late afternoon, it starts. And you yeah. Yeah. And these people are literally at their trap. Most, it's a lot of the people that stay in the hotel stay there because their businesses put them up during the week. So they'll literally be in meetings or working on their computer. And then it's just like the girls will just clank down the stairs tripping falling getting to the bathroom and i'm just like these poor hotel guests they did not sign up for this but i actually it's a new york experience yeah i grew up in the west village partially and i watched like the creation of the meatpacking and like what it became and i think that i also worked in murray hill bars where we're like sports bars um and i think that the lower east side in terms of nightlife has become like the baby of meatpacking murray hill like what if they had a kid, it would be the Lower East Side sure. because meatpacking got so crazy with hotels and bars and clubs that it kind of died a little bit. It just it got so full of itself that it kind of plateaued. Whereas Murray Hill used to be like the go-to like pub crawl place for after-work people, young people, and then there was like the death of East Midtown where all those bars shuttered on Second Avenue. Watched it happen, and then now I think everyone just goes to the Lower East Side. Yeah, everyone I, from I, the I, city, tri-state area, everybody. It's the it's the most target-rich area. Right, East Village, Lower East Side. Yeah. You've got all of the you know all of the great cocktail bars, all of the great yeah you know, uh, hotel rooftop like 
party bars, music venues. Like that's it, just the spot. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah every day there's you could something ever possibly new. Possibly want, yeah. Yeah, every day there's something new. Like I remember when Public opened, then Fifty Bowery, and then yeah, and then like I said, now there's gonna be another bar on Orchard Street. Not sure if we need one, but they're a doing high, it. I think a high tide raises all boats. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Here's to Orchard Street. I miss it terribly. Yeah. Um, you can always visit. <laughs> yeah, I can. It's I, waiting for you when I have time. Yes. Uh, time exactly. is my enemy. Um, so you've been doing this for a while, and you're doing this in, in places that are a little bit more sort of uh, speed service, high volume, but you're still pump, right. put, putting out craft cocktails. Right. Um, so that gives you a, you know, a greater level of fulfillment. I know that my own career, you know, when I worked at places when I was younger that were just sort of cranking stuff out, I enjoyed it, but not nearly as much as I enjoy the sort of fulfilling notion of like, I know something about these drinks. I know right, something about these products, you know. Uh, sure, can I put dollars in the drawer and in my pocket selling vodka sodas? I can, but it's, there's nothing there. There's no substance there, right? Right. It can be, but so you can feel empty. So you're <laughs> rocking places that kind of cut the cut the jib and do both of those things, right? Right. Yeah, they're, they're found a happy medium. Um, but I have never, yeah, I have never worked in a bar like yours, which is something no that... Has. It doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, well, you created your own thing for sure, but I mean, I haven't worked in like a... In a, in a cocktail bar that's just, you know, standalone, doesn't need to um, try to be like anything else. Come get it, you know? Like, uh, I'm sure somebody listening or myself can find a spot for you to get, like, a stage or a couple of nights yeah. just, to, just to check I'll it out and see it, how yeah. the other half lives. Yeah. Because that kind of brings me to the next thing you wanted to talk about today, which is, um, like, longevity behind the bar. Right. I'm right? thinking of, and like, if you are just getting options. pounded. Yeah. You said thousands? No, Come like on. my body just hurts a yeah, lot. And exactly. I'm like, and it doesn't have to be like that. Right. It doesn't, I mean, yeah, I'm just like, I, I'm fast, but I want to learn more. There's always more to learn. Like, that's why in my spare time, I read books like yours. I read, I've read everything I could find, also for research for my own book, but so I can stay on top of the trends and what's happening. So I'm definitely interested in staying in this industry forever because it would be a shame to waste all that experience and knowledge and just kind of, not right. that I would throw it away, but at this point, like I said, I have this and then I have my writing and I think I'm good, but there's always more to learn because this industry is always changing and growing. What what sort of me- measures are you taking to kind of protect yourself from like physical, I, I don't know, burnout isn't the right Ooh. word, just physical wear and tear. Yeah, yeah. just wear and tear. Basic. Um, yeah. Nicks and dings. Well, <laughs> yoga really helps, but you do have to be committed. I mean, it's amazing, but it's like, and every time I do it, I'm like, this is so amazing. Why don't I do this every day? But um, that helps. And just, yeah, trying to sleep. I drink a ton of water. You know, I have my cheeseburger pizza days, but I also try to eat healthy. But I'm, I'm at that point where maybe want to cut back on the booze a little. I don't necessarily do, but in order for health purposes so that I get up and I have the, this energy to write and like even get like a couple hours of writing in before my shift because that's the point that I'm really struggling with at the moment. Yeah. Like I want to go out post-shift and have fun or have a couple drinks at work, but then the next day I'll be like, oh, I'll just snooze my alarm for a little bit longer and then I'm kind of cut my personal or writing time short. So I'm trying to find that healthy balance when it's tough too because yeah. if you if you get out of work at 11 p.m you know you can't i i i firmly believe that just going home and going right to sleep and doing nothing is not good for you mentally like no. you need you need some time doing whatever it is that relaxes you if it's right. watching tv going out for like a drink or two with coworkers, right. something to separate your, your, your day local. from your night right, right. exactly yeah right. some so sort of psychological like, distance right so you don't just wake up do your shift come home yeah. Sleep. Spin in your head. Yeah. But then if you get out of work at midnight and you do that for a couple hours, it becomes that much harder to get a, you know, early bird start at 7 a.m. with right. a cup of coffee and a biscuit and, right. <laughs> and sit exactly. down in front of the typewriter. Because, yeah, because you're like, if I'm going to go out to 1 a.m., oh, it's only 1 a.m., that's early, I might as well stay out. And then you end up at, you know, a mother's room and then you run into a bunch of people you know and then more shots. <laughs> and then and you're then, asked to be on a, a yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, which is awesome. I'm really glad that happened. But that's... I think this industry, I wanted to actually say something about that, um, that I, I really love, like, I think the beauty of this industry is how, you know, people take care of each other. And um, every, it's interesting because, like you were saying before, there's so many different kinds of bartenders. There's so many yeah. different bars and there's thousands and thousands of bars in New York City. 
There could be like, um, you know, an Irish guy that's been bartending in Midtown for 20, 25 years. He has his following, has his regulars. But if he doesn't go out to any of the places other bartenders go out, he might never meet really any of us. But if you work at one certain place or go out at one certain place, you could meet someone and then automatically be connected to this whole circle of people. There's like Venn diagrams of bartenders in New York. Sure, and how the connections just sort of spiral out like capillaries. And And I love it. And I'm like, oh, on my night off, I'm like, it's a Wednesday. Who's working where? You know, should I make a small tour? It's exciting. Yeah, We all take care of each other. When I was uh, younger uh, in the game, I made a point of my night out, uh, my nights off. I would try and go to three different places each each week on one night. So I would pick, uh, I think I was off on Tuesdays back then, and I would go, I would make sure that each Tuesday I went to three different places that I hadn't been to, right. or at least I hadn't been to in a while. Right, and like I would just post up, list. Just post up at the bar and say hello to whoever the bartender was, maybe have one drink, maybe an appetizer, and do that three times. And now I've had a couple of drinks and some snacks, and that was dinner and time out. Plus I saw people shook hands and made myself known. Right, you're networking to while enjoying yourself and also you know it, it, it it's helpful to me as a as a bartender it was helpful to me as a chef to go and visit other places and see what they're doing so that i can understand better what i'm doing or maybe how i could change or stay relevant yeah right. exactly and i still try and do that i just don't yeah. have any time anymore right you've got a lot on your plate yeah. <laughs> but it's good it's good to go out and you know check out other places cocktail is see see the quality of service other places have uh, look at their energy their flow see what they're doing because you know, like I said, it's ever changing. There's no like lit. We can't put like a lid on it. I feel like like hospitality is just going to keep growing. Exactly. And you have been cataloging all of this for a upcoming book. Is that correct? Yes. Talk about that. What's the book going to be about? It's. I know you said you don't have a working title yet. Right. Um. That'll that'll present itself. I have a few options that are good, but I don't want to. Okay. spoil them but um it's basically going to be an ethnography of the new york city bartending culture um part memoir with this um so and then like interviews but with a sociological twist so the the hardest part for me is i don't really i'm not very interested in talking about myself so the memoir part has already been written and it's not difficult i just want to present myself as the anchor of um of the book but then the hardest part is really i think just going to be nailing down bartenders to interview them i have a set of questions that i'm gonna ask everyone the same but it really nailing is, down bartenders it, to interview them is a tough job i was gonna say it's like <laughs> I, hurting I do it sheep, i do know? it every week we're like notoriously we, tight-lipped like we, uh, I <laughs> but i do it well they're not tight-lipped it's just getting them to wherever you need them to be when you need them hard. to be there yeah, that's every, true you know the only thing we really do on time is like show up for our shifts you know people running late they have busy lives so it's that's gonna be the hard part but um but that will really be like the meat and bones of the book basically trying to demystify the, the persona of the New York City bartender, like f- male, female, native New Yorker like myself, you know, someone that came here from Europe, someone that grew up in California. I just want to offer an, an, an inside look into who we are, what we do, and how we're kind of our own, we're our own subculture. On this level, how do you think, uh, like you said, the New York City bartender, how do you think the New York City bartender differs from the London bartender or the Des Moines, Iowa bartender or... I think we're just, that's an interesting question. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I've, I'm pretty well traveled, so I do have some notes on the different cities that I um, have been to. And I know that there's certain classic cocktails that have started in places like London, other cities. But um, I'm just, I guess that it's more diverse here, that you know people come from all over the world to work here. We have probably the biggest amount of bars and restaurants I don't know. I would have to think more about that one. I mean, I for sure think that we're like an epicenter for all of this kind of stuff for culture in a lot of ways. Fashion, uh, uh, you know, uh, even journalism or art, art, of course. Like there's lots of things that New York City is like the center of. Um, For me, it's the And and, and it draws, right? That creates a gravity that draws people in. to New York. Yeah. Just more for me, it's like it's writing what I know. Like this is who I am. This has been my experience. This is what I've observed. These are my friends. These are people I'm personally connected to. Just trying to portray my my world but again kind of just not harp on myself too much because you know people sure they want to hear about you and your background but they want stories they want the dirt so originally my book was just going to be like talking about oh there's drugs in every bar and I dated this cop even though I was a bartender that was partying all the time and like all the wild stuff that happened to me in my like 
crazy early bartending days and like the after hours and all that stuff. But I can write a little bit about, about that, but the book has matured as I've matured. So I just really want it to be as sociological as possible so that I can contribute something to the conversation. How long have you been cooking this idea? Like five or six years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Took Life me, gets in the way. Took me nine years to get my yeah. book out. <laughs> it gets in the way. It really yeah. does. Yeah. I was ruminating for nine years before. Yeah. Well, for, I guess, yeah. For and nine it's years amazing. And then it took a year to get it out. Yeah. But like, so yeah. And all you had to do was get but hit that's by such a car. An accomplishment. It takes a decade. I know. To I heard about success. that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Life yeah. sets you back sometimes, you know, or sometimes I'm, I also tell myself, like, if it's not done yet, it's because it's not supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, there's every day something new happens that is adding to it. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're doing like a, you know, Margaret Mead anthropology study of it, it's always, it's always changing. It's right. always going to be evolving. There's always new people doing new things and exactly. new trends. Like the mojitos back. Apparently you right. didn't know that, but yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just talk to a lower East side rooftop bartender. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, there's no lid to it. So I'm just, I have to discipline myself and say, this is where I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop paying attention to the outside world. I'm only going to work with what, the material that I have and um, experience that I have and get these interviews out. Otherwise, I feel like I'll just keep procrastinating. Yeah, I need yeah. to draw that line in the sand for myself. Like, stop now, finish this, and then you can change the introduction. You can start a social media. Like, that will all come later. Yeah. But if I don't get these interviews and all that stuff down in the editing, then, you know, years are going to go by. Yeah, you and just got to get it started. Um, yeah, exactly. and, and, you know, for me anyway, it was uh, it was a matter of setting myself uh, uh, deadlines. I, you know, I had to go by the rule of uh, I don't need more time. I need a deadline. Right, so exactly. give yourself a deadline. Stick to it. Don't don't miss it. Yeah, and I, I work um, much better when I have those deadlines or someone on sure. me, especially like that's another good thing about bartending. You have to be somewhere at a certain time and you have to do this and it's your time is money. And that I have such bad ADD that something like that does help me. Yeah, me too. Otherwise, uh, I'm like, squirrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll also just procrastinate. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And I, and I did the same even when I was writing my book. Uh, I would procrastinate as well. Like, I would have my deadline, which was every Tuesday. That's great. And many, many, many overnight Mondays I would stay up to get it out. Right, but you would do it. But I would but do it because the deadline's the deadline. Right. Don't break the deadline. Yeah. You don't ask for more time, just do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, things yeah. take the amount of time you give for them, man. I've all, I've, I, I tell my staff this all the time and they're like, mm -hmm. Oh, I need more time to do this. I'm like, well, no, if it's, if it's a one hour job and you give yourself three hours to do it, all of a sudden it it's a three, three hour hours, job. Yeah. Right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. Actually. Like when I actually do sit down and focus, I can accomplish so much in such a short time. And like, it comes, it's anything like putting off making like a doctor's appointment or writing or doing anything. I'm like, wow, that actually didn't take any time at all. But I procrastinated for so long that an anxiety built up around it when I should just do it. So I have to apply that mostly to my writing. Do you sit down and write a little bit every day? Or I try to, you, but yeah. I'm not as good. Like, again, I'm not as disciplined as I should. And like, I just finished Stephen King's on writing where he says, he's like, you have to do it every single day. He's like, I could write this 400 page book about telling you about how to be a better writer. He's like, but if you don't at least try every single day, then it's, it's not going to happen. So, and that's what all, all the books, the writing advice books I've ever read, just say, you got to do it every day. Yeah. Most of it will be probably you'll throw it out, but at least you'll have lines on the page. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Most of it will be kind of garbage. Yeah. But that's okay. Cause then it's like one or two sentences that is amazing. And then you just, that is, yeah, are amazing. And then you take it and you run with that and you build off that. Yeah. One of the things I was doing um, towards the middle, I guess, maybe, maybe even closer to the end was of writing my book is I would get up, uh, not even get up, but when I decided to sit down and start writing each day, I would, um, I would just write uh, most, the most asinine or inane. I would, I would, I would try and put into words on paper that I, in a way that I thought someone would enjoy reading things like. What did I have for breakfast today? Right. Like, just try and write hmm. that. Right? That just gets the juices it's flowing. It's an exercise. And then yeah. you, exactly, which is, you know, uh, the longevity of writing probably relies on that just as much as, you know, I, I didn't really jump in, but, you know, one of the things I'm doing to keep myself uh, a little bit better at work is, and I don't know why I didn't do this all along, because I did it when I was a butcher. Every day now, I, I, I do about 10 minutes of stretching before I go into work. Yep. Right? Got to get limbered up, because I'm going to be bending, twisting, lifting, yeah, pulling. Yeah, you have to, yeah. Uh, and, you know... Yeah, I'm getting even just doing like I'm some getting beat up when I don't make it to yoga. I'll try to at least do like some sun salutations or something in the morning to get my blood flowing. 
that and coffee. I have to have coffee. I can't start my day without <laughs> coffee. I only had one cup today because I didn't want to be twitching. But well, we're enjoying these like, deli- delightful Aperol yeah, this, spritz you brought yes, us. Yes. yes, thank you. Thank uh, you very much. Somewhat controversial drink in New York City yeah. a couple of weeks ago anyway. <laughs> Mojitos uh, in, spritz is out. Yeah, yeah right? out. Cheers and jeers. But it's a, cl- I mean, it's a classic cocktail. And it's, I think some people, maybe young people think that, oh, it's not giving me a buzz or maybe they're missing the point where... It's meant to be refreshing, something you can drink during the day with lunch. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Sessionable drinks. You know, I love the Italian approach, which is so different than the American approach. The Italian approach isn't a happy hour. It's a happy afternoon. Right. Right. It's low ABV, conversations, refreshing drinks. They eat slowly. In America, it's yeah. I've got two hours to drink as high a proof as I can at half price. <laughs> yeah. And What's then, also and then I mean, go home and pass out so I can get up and go to my ugly job tomorrow. Uh, right. Well, I mean, Italians start drinking wine when they're like what six years old or something oh, like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah, give exactly. it to their kids young, and then as opposed drinking. to here, where you know it's just like this is terrible poison, and you'll die, and then you know everybody's just you get to college and there's <laughs> cases of natty light everywhere. Like yeah, that's how I, we. It's 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 such a much better way to learn to drink. Going back to what you were talking about, about getting to that point when you get older and wanting to limit the amount of drinking that you do, or at least kind of look at it and say, am I doing this in the most healthy way possible? The healthiest way I think is just, you know, to do a low ABV drink over the course of several hours. I have gotten a lot better. Yeah. I mean, you know, all about tomorrow's I've started, you know, I, when I go out to my local, cause I still need that I need that companionship and that get out of my apartment or post work. Like I, I like to go to my locals. I'll have wine or Fernet or Montenegro or an Aperol spritz. You know, I don't have to go and rip tequila shots to, or, you know, like I can do that. There's can, a time and a place for all those things. Which I mean, exactly. I love tequila shots. Me too. I have a friend's birthday dinner tonight. I'm sure they'll be flowing, but, yes. but I'm more at the point where I'm trying to pick and choose the nights that I do that in order to, you know, like moderation. Moderation in all things, including moderation. Yeah, and Sometimes I think... Sometimes just blow the fucking doors off it. And I think American culture is kind of... Has been... Has an unhealthy past with with booze, but I think that with what the good work bartenders are doing these days, especially in New York, I think we're changing people's attitudes about that. Like, it's less of like you have to chug just to get drunk. You know, there was a mentality about that, certainly in college. I always think when, about it like, like food, right? Like, yeah, you get sick and then you keep going. I can eat at McDonald's. Or I can eat at La Bernadine. They both okay. serve fish. I can have fish yeah. at McDonald's or fish at La Bernadine. One is cuisine and dining, and one is fuel. Right, So exactly. drinking is the same, right? There are nights that I'm just out there to get tanked up. Yeah, and, and those are, are fun nights. And then there are nights I just want to go like enjoy a thing and be in a space with some people and yeah. you know get a little buzz. Yeah, there's some nights I'm like, oh, God, I'm, I've had such a sh- like bad week or you know, going through some stuff in the last few months. I'm like, I need, I just want to go out and get drunk. And then there's nights where I'm like, I'm just craving like a really good egg white cocktail or yeah. something. Where should I go? Yeah. Um, well, you, uh, so you're working at places that have literally thousands of people coming through the door. So you don't seem, it doesn't seem to me that you're in a posi- position that needs to like sell yourself outside of that to quote unquote build your night. Um, right. I've gotten to the point. You, my other job though, I do because it's, yeah? the hive is only, it's about six months old and I work the slower nights, so I have built them up, but it's it can be quite exhausting. What's the hive all about? It's um, it's a gastropub, uh, oh. art farm to like mostly farm to table local, when they can. Um, the owner is a first time restaurant owner, but she's awesome. But the cocktail program um, is amazing. It's like all um, a lot to do with bees, so it's like honey infusions and the t- everything's a twist on a classic. But they do a really good job of making it their own. But I don't know. The location is pretty good. It's on North 7th and Kent on the north side. So uh-huh. it wasn't anything before the owner was kind of waiting for the, the, the landlord was waiting for the north, the waterfront to build up. But it's just, you know, with a new place, it's tricky. Um, that's why I wanted to talk about social media, too, about yeah. how that can really affect business yeah, and absolutely. things like Yelp. And it's just interesting to watch, especially when something's so new, you can really see how it could go in either way. Yeah, the impact. social media, yeah. So what are you doing? You, you got an Instagram or something over there? Or? They do have an Instagram. I think she I mean, hired... Are you running it, though? No, I'm not. Um, I think she hired someone to who does it for a living, an influencer, to take care of it. Um, I don't really know enough about it because I, I'm only there twice a week, but I it is... Um, the difference is fascinating between where I work. One day I just show up, and I don't. all I need to do is show up and be good at my job because the customers will come 
to a point and, and other to work at a place where I feel like I have to promote my night, which yeah. I did for a long time and I don't mind doing it. But after you know a while, it can be exhausting. Sometimes I'm like, I just want the volume. <laughs> yeah, I'm in that. I'm in that weird mode. I was telling him before we went on air that I'm trying to figure out what would be like the happy medium. Yeah, of places. Well, I think you know. I, I don't know that there's necessarily a happy medium a of, of specific spaces, yeah. but I do know a lot of bartenders, and we in, interview a lot of bartenders on the yeah. show who have their sort of like what I said, sort of fulfilling, crafty, you right. know. Uh, you know, more uh, knowledge-based, et cetera, right. gig. Which that is for me, for sure. Yeah, they have that gig, and they also have a gig where they're just, like, crushingly Volume. busy. Yeah. Gotta get the let out, man. Well, yeah. I like switching it up. It really it really keeps you, keeps things interesting. Yeah, it keeps, you, if, keeps you on your toes, keeps your, yeah. your mind, you know, firing on all cylinders because you're in different scenarios all the time. Right, if you're, like, burnt out from one, and it helps to show up somewhere different. Like, oh, I can have a different experience behind the bar tonight. Sure, because you can always... Uh, integrate that knowledge into that high volume place and right. delight someone with something they never heard of even yeah. if it only happens once or twice out of a thousand guests a night <laughs> yeah, and then I, the opposite is true too you can be at the craftier place but you can turn on the heat if the, if the crowd comes in oh yeah once yeah because there are times when we do get hits and like I'm by myself and no bar back and I, I can just crush it Yeah, and they're like the waitress are like, you're so fast. Thank you. I'm like, I do this for a living. Yeah. It's no, a my, real job. It's, it's a, a real, real job. job. <laughs> uh, circling back to the top. Yeah. Um, Allegra, uh, so if people want to see you behind the bar, they can come up to Mr. Purple, obviously, yes. and then come over to the Hive. Yes. Um, how could they, if you want them to, how could they get in touch with you? You got an Instagram or something yes, like that my, you want to promote? My Instagram is Allegra Vera, A-L-L-E-G-R-A-V-E-R-A. Yeah, I think Instagram is the easiest way to get a hold of anybody these days. After after asking that sort of same question at the end of every episode, the qu- the answer is always Instagram now. Exactly. Yeah. It used to be like, here's my email, try my Facebook, but no, now it's, it's just Instagram. It's so important for, I've seen it just affect bars I've worked in, also places where, for example, like a place like Mr. Purple, a lot of people come come up, have a drink, but they do it for the gram, as yeah. we say, because they like, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll concoct a whole photo shoot. and Cocktails, and tourism. They, they know what they're doing. Yeah, man. Yeah. Cocktail tourism, it's a real thing. It is. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Thanks again for bringing us some Aperol spritzes. Yeah, thank uh, you for having delightful me. Delightful and a per- honestly the perfect drink for today. Yeah, um, I already crushed mine. I see you both have, have more than half a year's left. Mine's gone. Yeah, I got to drink up. <laughs> well, uh, you you got to go to work afterwards. We have a yeah, long, I know. A long <laughs> slow yeah, day. Yeah, we're, both, well, there we're you both off. I'm going to head to Cocktail Kingdom after to check out their offices, maybe get some tools from my home bar, and then I have a friend's birthday, so it should be a good day. Yeah, nice. outstanding. Thanks but for actually, fitting um, me in, also, guys. Also, tonight is uh, uh, Cabinet is having their sort of, uh, weirdly, second opening party. I don't what get place? it. Cabinet, uh, which Cabinet. is the Mezcal okay. and Rye Whiskey spot that's owned by Greg Boehm of Cocktail Kingdom. I'm oh, wow, okay. It's right over in the yeah. neighbor to me in the East Village on 9th and C in the former Mace space, uh, which, he's also, oh, yeah. which he also has a part of, so they moved Mace over to 12th and A, and, right. and the old Mace space is now called Cabinet, and it's Focused heavily on mezcal and rye whiskey. What you got in your hands over there? I like both well, those I things. Got, I got this little present that you brought for me, Southern. So last week we were talking about I, Ravi bought these for bought you. Bought it right? for me, yeah. So Southern and I are both red green colorblind. We are. Uh, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Speak easy, see hard. So <laughs> we. Uh, <laughs> you you tried these out a few weeks ago, and I was intrigued. When he, yeah, when he gave them to me, I tried them out. So I'm, the, I'm curious to see what your reaction is. It's a is pair be. of glasses. They actually look trendier than I expected them to. I thought they'd look like those, yeah, those weird are nice. plastic they look like things they give you at the doctor's office. But supposedly they correct red green color blindness. So here it goes. goes. What does your Aperol spritz look like now? Well, I I guess this is what red looks like because everything looks fucking red now. <laughs> it's yeah. just everything is slightly how, how do my glasses red look? tinted. Actually, they look red. Like that, I'm they looking red, at, yeah. that's the thing that's popping the most. Um, but then I'm looking at the green plant that's directly behind you, and it still doesn't look that different. What about the red pizza sign? Can you see that? Yeah, the know. red pizza I, I tried them on, sign. and it didn't go that far for it's, me. Yeah. Well, I was skeptical, because you said that they didn't work for you, but I was I like, you tried them work. on I a dark the, bar that's things, surrounded by tan and brown and black things. I said things look different, but then I gave them to a guy who isn't colorblind, and he put them on, and he said, yeah, things look different. I don't know if that means oh. they're fixed or better, or yeah. they're different. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's different. Kind of feel like I'm, you know, in the opening sequences of Apocalypse Now or something, where everything's kind of red tinted or. Well, I'm, I'm just going into work tonight at a more. They look good though. I'm go- thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah thank they you. do. They look very like chips. You should. Yeah. Are you going to wear them at work? 
Um, well, I want to take him back and go into work with him tonight because Eric Job is coming in tonight. He also is red green colorblind, so we get him to try them on. <laughs> We're gonna get everybody to try these on, see if they work. Maybe it'll work. For, maybe he'll be one of those guys that like breaks down crying. It's like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. Yeah, the wasted years. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, all right, let's uh, wrap up yeah. the show. Allegra, so nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks um, for having thanks me. Thanks for joining us and talking about all things bartending. We look forward to yeah. your book. Uh, as, soon yeah. as, you, as soon as you get a, a working title, let us know about that. And, of course, when it, gets, when it gets published, we'll talk about it on the air. We'll have you back on to talk about the book. Yeah, thanks um, for having me on for my first podcast. Your first ever? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, uh, if you're in New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail next week, I'm going to be down there all week long. I'm going to bring my mobile studio. I'm going to be doing a lot of recordings while I'm down there. Um, and uh, Wednesday night in particular, uh, I'm going to be at Cane and Table doing the kickoff party with the Sexton Irish Whiskey um, with Damon Bolte. Uh, the two of us are going to be making Irish Whiskey cocktails at Cane and Table uh, all evening long uh, and serving some snacks and bites uh, uh, to to all the local bartenders as well as all the bartenders from all over the world. So hope to see you at Tales of the Cocktail. Guys, thanks for tuning in to the Speakeasy. Cheers. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. the devil with your rock and roll load Knows that country music's gonna save your soul The devil runs his groove in the rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some Want more of The Speakeasy? Follow us and ask questions on Instagram at Speakeasy Podcast or on Twitter at Speakeasy Radio. You can find Damon at Damon Bolte and you can find me at Creative Drunk on all platforms. Take a moment to write us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite platform and give us a star rating, five if possible. If you're visiting New York City or a resident, stop by the studio and hang out with us during an episode. Reach out beforehand to make sure we'll be here. We'd love to see you. And please support our show by visiting heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.